Okay. Did everyone get a, a slip of paper? Okay. So, um, if you don't know, what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next four-ish weeks, maybe five weeks, because we got Thanksgiving in there. We're going to be reading through this book, uh, The Master Plan of Evangelism. I highly recommend you get it. It's like seven bucks on Amazon. It's by Robert Coleman. The funny thing is, is this isn't about evangelism as you and I think of it. It's actually about discipleship. And that's what we want to spend the next few weeks talking about. Collectively as a family, how do we become a family that disciples one another? That isn't dependent on one man or one family, but is actually a, a, a family that is being discipled by somebody and also discipling someone else. The alternative is we end up like the Dead Sea, which is just constantly receiving nutrients and never pouring out, which is why it's called the Dead Sea. <laughs> now, a lot of us, let's, uh, do I want to ask this question? How, okay, I'll ask the question. How, how many have ever, how many people here have ever discipled someone else? Okay. Wow, it's actually more than I thought. All right. How many here have ever been discipled by somebody? Okay. All right, good. Well, good. Maybe we don't need to read the book then. Oh, no. <laughs> no, we yeah, no, I, uh, There's lots of gaps. There is. There are lots of gaps. <laughs> Discipleship is something that is kind of... We all know the word. We all know we should be doing it. But it's just so rarely seen in the church. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of like evangelism. It's like, yeah, we, all, we know we should be out there telling people about Jesus. <laughs> But if we were really honest with each other, how many people are actually sharing their faith? Probably not many. It's like prayer. Prayer is another one. We know we should be praying. How many of us can actually say we have a prayer life? We have an ongoing rhythm of communication and communion with Jesus. Probably not many in the church. Discipleship is one of those things where we're like, yeah, we know we should be doing it, but either we've never really seen it done before or we've never really cared to find out. But look, I'm telling you, man, to the degree that a church family is a people who disciple one another, that church will be strong, that church will be healthy, and that church will, God will trust that church with increase because they're stewarding what he's already given them. So, discipleship was obviously a big part of what we did in Iraq. Discipleship has been a part of what Lindsay and I have gone after. We've constantly looked for somebody who can pour into us. And those people we consider now spiritual fathers. So the hope is that every one of us would be discipling someone and also being discipled. So over the next four or five weeks, we're just going to talk about what does that look like? How do we do that? And I think this book is a really good um, 
it's a good place to start. It's not, it's not perfect. It doesn't have everything. But I think as we talk and ask questions amongst each other, I think we can all get a better idea of what it means to disciple someone. So what I did is next week, so between now and next Thursday, if you can read the first two chapters and be thinking about these four questions. There's two questions on each chapter. So the first question, what qualities was Jesus looking for in those he would disciple? Second question, why did Jesus concentrate his discipleship efforts on just a few? And then in chapter two, what was Jesus's primary method of discipleship? And lastly, why did Jesus only reveal himself to his disciples after the resurrection. That is a fascinating point this guy makes. It's, he makes it really quick and he moves on, but it is fascinating to consider. When Jesus appeared after the resurrection, he only revealed himself to his disciples, not to the masses. Man, our lives would have been a lot easier if Jesus would have, bam, here I am. Put your finger in the side, any one of you. But for some reason, he only revealed himself to his disciples. So, as you're reading those first two chapters, find the answers to those and we're going to talk about them next week. But maybe for the remaining time we have tonight, for just a few minutes, are there any questions about discipleship? Is there anything that you've been wondering, you want to ask now? Maybe we could ask, answer them collectively. Any story? I have a question. Sure. What is the relationship between discipleship and family? That's uh, Frank's question was, what is the relationship between discipleship and family? Between discipleship and family. Okay. What is the relationship between discipleship and family? Does anyone have an answer? It starts with your family. You've got to you know, the scripture talks about you can't lead the house of God if you can't lead your own house. And you have to, if it doesn't work in your house, it's not going to work anywhere else. And, you know, as a, particularly as a man, as a husband, you have to, you have, you're the high priest in your home. And as you go, so goes your house. And you can't. It's not something that you can legislate. You can't lord it over people. You can't make it happen. You have to live it. It has to be real. When Peter walked in the temple, they recognized that he had been with Jesus. They knew it. And that's the decide to to walk with Jesus. He turns he turns you in, into a, a disciple making machine. That's that's what that's what Jesus does. You can't you can't know Jesus and not want to reach people, but not just reach them, you want to stay with them. He didn't say go into all the world and make converts. He said go into all the world and make disciples. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Anyone else? What's the relationship between discipleship and family? Richard. Well you can't pick your family and, and I think a disciple is one who decides to follow Jesus and wants to learn of his ways. And so he would keep his eyes only on him 
to become like him. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Matt? Um, I, I believe everybody, one of the gifts we're given is to be a minister of Everybody has a, a level of gift. You know, it's like yes. the ten virgins, the ones that fill the lamps with oil mm-hmm. and being prepared. That oil is ministry. You gotta keep it full. Mm-hmm. Someone has a gift of being a pastor that has a congregation of dozens of people. Some people have their ministry might be at their work. Some people might be at their home group. Some people just have but most are ministry, everybody's ministry is at home. And we minister to them. That's why it's time to be always time to seek the Lord alone so He can help you discern on what you need to do with your past So your gift, you know, there's the Great Commission. He chose the seven, he chose the seventy-two. You know, Jesus didn't can't do this alone. He needs the church. He needs yes. the church. We're the church. Yeah. We need to carry his message in our house and outside our house. And that's the word. Hey, my pastor, teacher, evangelist, what am I? But your ministry is always the one that's closest to you. And you should never um, should never be afraid to minister to the one closest to you. And you know, if you're a pastor like Neil is, I mean, he holds a higher accountability, you know, so it's it's a whole another calling. There are callings to the person next to us, especially if you're waking up next to somebody. That's your biggest calling. Mm, it's true. It's true. Anyone else? Thank you, Matt. So I, I think yes, as a mother, I, what fell on me that I realized was my consistency in my walk with the Lord. That... Um, so my kids were in parochial school, and then they went to public school. But I never gave up on God as far as their walk, and they knew where I stood all the time. And my daughter is more verbal about it than my son, but my son on, my, on Mother's Day gave me a cross. So, you know, that yeah. he, he is in line. He's just not as verbal. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say consistency in your life permeates out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought of two things, Frank. I cheated because I had a chance to listen to all of y'all and process my <laughs> thoughts. Uh, so the relationship between discipleship and family. Um, when I found out that Lindsay was pregnant with Layla, our first child, I grew up really quick. It it caused me to, in a way, sober up and become a man that I didn't feel that responsibility before Lindsay told me that. Mm-hmm. So in the same way, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I see something in you that I want. Would you please disciple me? Mm-hmm. That's going to grow you up really quick. It's going to cause you to to really think, wow, I I need to get serious about my own walk because now somebody's depending on me and looking to me. So in the same way that we have to grow up when we find out we're parents, I think when we are walking with somebody in discipleship, it causes us to grow up and mature in a way that if we're just on our own, we can get away with not having these things. And the second thing was... The, 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 the relationship between discipleship and family is 
I don't know how y'all's family is, but family is never perfect. It's raw, it's messy, it's hard, it's humbling. You're going to be disappointed. They're going to be disappointed. There's going to be disagreements, misunderstandings. If you're doing discipleship, all of those things, if you're doing discipleship right, all of those things will probably be, be presented at some point in that relationship. If it's genuine, raw, real family discipleship. I mean, just look at Jesus with his disciples. Like that was raw. It was real. They had hard conversations. There were rebukes. There were corrections. My goodness, even Peter rebuked Jesus. Tried. Tried, out of line, but still like, that's an interesting point too because there was something about the way that Jesus walked with his disciples that was so real and so tangible that it made Peter think it was okay to rebuke Jesus. I mean, that's astounding if you think about that, you know? But when I think about my kids, they if I'm doing a good job as a father, they know they can come to me and say, Dad, when you said that, it made me feel blah, blah, blah. Discipleship is intended to be the same raw, real messy as, as real life family. I, I like that point that sometimes discipleship can get a little programmatic. Yep. But when it's genuine, raw, and real, that, that's really appealing. Yep. If, if discipleship is just having coffee once a week, maybe having a meal together once a month, that's not discipleship. That's friendship. That's that's those are two very different things. Friendship is a great place to start, but discipleship needs to get down into raw, real life. Amen. Scott, you, yeah. Scott, um, what was I going to say? I, I just don't like Rebecca and I have, have we have some people in our life that are discipling us, not not um, fully, but they're they're people who we look to mm-hmm. to disciple us, and they're significantly younger than us, and that doesn't bother us in the slightest because wow. they're spiritual maturity in their life. We've had, they've stayed with us for two weeks at a time. So it's not like somebody we just, oh, they do a nice sermon. And these are like people that we've watched their life and we know their story. And so it's like, and then we're, we're discipling some people who are older than us mm-hmm. and we kind of laugh about our kids, you know. But, but the cool thing is, is that the ones that we're discipling who are maybe new in Christ, they don't have any problem. It's not an age thing. Yeah. But I mean, some, sometimes we think, I think of like, well, it'd be great for me to have older men than even me <laughs> to disciple me but at the same time it doesn't matter you know mm-hmm. and um, where was my point with this um, I guess being being discipled is a beautiful place to be humble you know mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. recognize that I bet the other person isn't better than you just has something to yeah. offer and uh, we were discipled once for a year and a half on the phone with this 85-year-old guy who, um, it was just amazing, you know. And, and I gave him a hard time. I wasn't, like, really that receptive a lot of time. But it was like, I look back on that and go, man, did he put up with me, you know. <laughs> and, and, uh, and gave us tremendous tools. And so, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm excited to, to see us all. Yeah. 
take this on. You know? Me too. Because that's yeah. what Jesus was teaching. He was just, okay, come with me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, and even you asking, you know, some of us to participate in the things in church, you know, mm-hmm. the communion and, mm-hmm. and tithing and stuff like that. It's like, it's like, come, come do what I've, you've seen me just yeah. do for the last, you know, and that's what mm-hmm. we're to do. And, and yeah. I was talking with David, David, right here, David, yeah, about, about <laughs> evangelism. And I said to David, I said, David, you're going to lead a lot of these older adults into evangelism. And yeah, because you're. You are doing it already. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna disciple uh, whoever's willing into evangelism. Yeah. And um, so yeah. it's just beautiful the opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Anyone else? Did, uh, any other question? That was a good question, Frank. Thank you. That was an hour long answer. Lindsay Lindsay has a question. <laughs> Is there, let's say I got saved last year, is, can I be discipling someone? Oh, good question. Anyone want to answer that? (laughs) It's a hard one. Go ahead, Rebecca. I volunteered Rebecca to answer it. So the question, if you didn't hear it, uh, someone got saved just last year, can they disciple someone? Of course you can, <laughs> because a lot of times there's people out there that don't even know what it means to be born again, and so if you find that there's somebody in your life that doesn't know, you know, that how to become a believer, how to become born again, you know, repentance, baptism, be filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, and you've had that experience, you've already got it, you can go, I mean, and... and you, you, you have this. You have the Holy Spirit yeah. to go heal the sick and cast out demons, and so it's just about going out and doing it. Yeah. Also, and having it doesn't have to be um, a perfected science with yeah. all the theology. Like, like mm-hmm. even the disciples, they didn't have that. They, they were just common men, you know, yeah. that went out and they got a touch of Jesus, and they were like, "Come on, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> come with us," mm-hmm. and you know. And, they laid hands on people. They just went out and did it. And so we've seen that. We've mm-hmm. seen young people that have just that same day been born again and go and lay hands on people, and they've received healing and deliverance, and now they're discipling others. So it's like, you know, it's just and, and coming alongside people wherever they're at. So some people might be feeding into people that are more seasoned in the walk, that have walked longer. And so, but but for them, they might be going to the... The person that hasn't really had much, you know, and so it's there's all different people that have a need, you know. Yeah. So. Does anyone disagree? Is that does anyone think I that I wouldn't say I disagree, mm-hmm. but I had a, I became a Christian at 19, and uh, within six months they made me the, the the pastor, the youth pastor for the high school class, uh-huh. and I was only a couple years older than the kids, and I was also very raw in the Lord and really didn't know a lot. But I agree with you. Take take what God gives you and use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my the one the one caveat that goes along with that it would be get help. Get mentored yourself. Get mentored yeah. yourself. Get Great help point. and grow mm-hmm. in the Lord so that Great you point. can pass the right things on to those. Great mm-hmm. point. That's a very important point. Uh, be a disciple. Yes. If you are young in the Lord. 
and you can determine that for yourself. And someone comes and says, hey, would you walk with me and disciple me? All the more find someone to disciple yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. All the more. Hannah? Yeah, I just wanted to add, um, we, we always have the source. So God and his word is always the source. It's not us. Yeah. And Good. when I realized that, then a lot of the effort came off of me. Yeah. Yeah. And it was dependent on the source. Yeah. And it was just incredible because then you're teaching them to go to the source and not you. And right. I, for me, that's what I always go back to in my head. Yeah. 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 I failed to do that yeah. at times. Mm-hmm. Did you have something, Griffin? No, I just wanted to affirm you in your decision. You know, we've all, I think everyone here has been to a church where we go on Sunday, put on our best, like, face, smile, whatever. We just pretend to be the church thing. But then to have that accountability or that discipleship and having people that are in your life gang raw, knowing, like, the dirt, knowing what they, you know, ironing, sharpening iron, you know? Like, getting down to the, let's build some good you know, strong disciples. Like, I love it. It's great. It's what we're here for. Yeah. I mean, we don't, I don't want pretend. I don't want, you know, pretend church. I want, I want genuine relationships. I want to build each other up. I want iron yeah. sharpening iron. So thanks, Neil. Like, yeah. I just want to affirm your decision. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thank you. We, uh, Lindsay and I feel very strongly. I talked about this on Sunday, so I won't re-preach the message. But for those of you that, that haven't heard this before, we believe that God is going to pour out his spirit on this region. That's why God brought our family here to be just one small part of a very large story that he's writing. Mm-hmm. And the Lord is bringing many, many people here. He's raising people up who have lived here their whole lives. Mm-hmm. I feel and Lindsay feel that our assignment within all of that, and again, whether it's revival or persecution or both, We feel that our assignment is to be a healthy family that can be there when the spirit is poured out or when things are shaking that can raise up these new baby believers in the context of covenant family as opposed to assembly line churchianity. So we all have to be leaders. We all have to be disciplers. And we believe 110% that the families that the Lord is beginning this church with are the leaders. Like you guys are the future leaders of what God is going to do in this community. Not just within our church. Obviously, there's churches and fantastic churches here. But you guys are leaders. And so together, we want to get to a place where we, we know how to raise up people in the faith and to walk with people. So when that day comes and God splits the sky, we know what to do. All of a sudden, 3,000 are born again in Acts chapter 2. What if God does that again? He did in the 60s, 70s. God, do it again, Lord. There's a multiplication that took place where you got saved and you started discipling with sometimes only months. Yeah. Yeah. See, my heart, and I know this is Lindsay's heart too, is God splits the sky, hundreds or thousands are added to the church of the Central Coast. Now we can look and say, all right, Jonah and Vashti, you guys lead a house church in your home. Okay? Chris and Annie, you guys lead a church in in your home. Matt and Julie, you guys lead a church. Like, 
That's what I mean by future leaders. And so it's not all falling on one system or one man or one family or not. It, we can't handle that. It'll we'll, we'll, we'll break. We'll be crushed underneath of the answers to our own prayers. So we've got to begin now becoming healthy family and healthy disciples. Amen. Amen. You know, just to clarify, yes, sir. That vision that you just shared with us—is um, it Thursday? Like, are you saying like Sundays we all come together, and then Thursdays we all like as time goes on we expand and make making more disciples? Like, good question. Yeah. Good question. Griffin asked. So, does that mean in the future on Thursdays? We won't meet in one home. We'll meet in multiple homes. Is that the gist of the yeah, question? Yeah, and then Sundays are we consulting yes. together? So Sundays, so what the way we see Acts, they gathered in the temple and house to house. Yep. Sundays is the temple, so to speak, the temple. That corporate gathering where we all come together, whether there's 50 or 500, we come together. Lord willing, we're able to eat together. We're able to fellowship together as a big family. And then throughout the week, say there is 500. Obviously, they can't gather in Tyler and Carter's home. (laughs) As nice as this home is. But as the Lord brings increase, there's already another family who can say, you know what, I'd like folks to gather in my home. Or there's folks in Santa Maria that say, you know what, there's probably 10 people coming from Santa Maria. Why don't we just meet in my home? You know what I mean? Atascadero, the North County. So, so as the Lord brings increase, or as He just speaks to us, we can begin multiplying in homes throughout the week, and still coming together on Sunday. Thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, sir. It's a little random crazy report. Just two days ago, I asked Sky to disciple me, and then we got together yesterday for our first weekly disciple thing. And we just so happened to be like in tune. And Ben wasn't there Sunday, so it's he didn't so awesome. it. Yeah. Next Love it. Let's go. <laughs> hey, can you disciple me? I'm like, you were even there yesterday. Well, it's it's 8.30, so we want to honor Tyler and his family and, and not burn the midnight oil in their home. And, you know, stay too long. I know we need to clean up and There'll be some talking and fellowshipping before we leave. So let's go ahead and we'll just wrap up. Uh, bro, would you would you pray? Just kind of close up this time in prayer? Yeah. Okay. And then so maybe in within the next 20-ish minutes, if we could make our way out just to honor Tyler and Carlos, that'd be great. <coughs> yeah, Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to just gather. Just with you, God, and with each other to fellowship, God, in your name, to break bread with you, God. We don't take it lightly. This is a very sacred thing, God. God, we just ask, God, that we would just continue to submit ourselves to the wind and to the movings of your spirit, God. And we will continue to honor your body, Jesus, to honor your table. We bless your name, Lord. God, man, we just have a holy reverence for you and what you're doing, God. Jesus. We love you so much, God. Just continue to do whatever you want to. Just one more time, would you just build your house, God? Yes, yes. Build your house. However you want to build it, Lord. Million stones fitting together to build your house. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Amen.
So, if you if you can't afford the book, let me know. I'll grab a couple copies, and but I want to make sure everyone gets a copy. Do they sell them at the parable? I don't think so. 